Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number two with the incredible Rory Weisberg. I feel like she needs no introduction, but in case you're not already familiar with her, Rory Weisberg is a wife, a mom of four, a health coach certified in integrative nutrition, a college teacher, a diehard recipe developer, and the author of the popular art scroll cookbook, Food You Love That Loves You Back. Her passion is making a healthy lifestyle doable and delicious with your favorite foods included. Rory is the founder and CEO of Full and Free, an exclusive line of better for you baking essentials. Tune in to hear Rory share her own personal journey from growing up on the standard American diet to where she is today, from developing postpartum thyroiditis and rheumatoid arthritis to using food as medicine to heal her body, reverse her diagnoses, and thrive in her health today, why she decided to become a health coach and how she developed her product line of better for you baking products, how practicing healthy habits helps you truly live the life you love what real self-care looks like and how to truly nurture your body and be a mother to yourself and what habits to get started with to set yourself up for success. I am really lucky that I have a relationship with Rory where we've been able to connect and have many conversations about how we feel really aligned in the way that we view health. And we've had many of these conversations, but I told Rory after recording this episode I have never heard her speak like this, and I actually had chills throughout our interview because she just articulates so beautifully what this healthy lifestyle is all about. It's not about practicing healthy habits to check a box or keep up with a trend or prove anything to anyone, and it's certainly not about punishing ourselves. It's really about nurturing ourselves to the highest degree. And the way she puts it in this interview, it just really struck me. She just really said it right. And I don't even have the words to explain it. I'm just going to let you listen to it. But I think that this is something that we really all need to hear. And so I'm going to go ahead and let you listen in a second. I'm going to ask you if this resonates with you as much as it did for me. Please share it with the people in your life that you love, with other women in your life, like your mom, your sisters, your friends. I think this is so important and will be healing for so many people. So I am beyond honored and excited to share this episode with you all. Welcome to the About Health and Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Allen, a recovered sugar addict turned certified nutrition coach on a mission to help women learn how to balance their hormones and optimize their fertility. On this podcast, we have conversations with experts about all things health, hormones, wellness, nutrition, and more to give you the information, tips, and tricks you need to take control of your health and feel amazing in your body. I am so happy that you're here and I can't wait to dive in. Hi, Rory. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on because you're such a wealth of knowledge. You have so many great practical tips. And I feel like I feel like my audience knows you already because I feel like everybody knows you. But for those who might not or who might only know the cookbook, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Okay, for sure. Um, so I'm really excited to be here specifically because I think that your audience is really one of my favorite people to speak to, um, women who are in their gestational reproductive years trying to get pregnant or post-pregnancy during pregnancy. And I 
that's where a lot of my trouble started. And I feel like um, for me to be able to share what I've learned the hard way, specifically with women of this age range and in this stage, and hopefully be able to give them tools to do things differently than I did not know how to do. It's just so rewarding. And it's just, it feels like so full circle for me. So I'm so happy that you asked me to join this. Um, My story is basically that I grew up in the standard American diet, you know, pasta, pizza, candy, cereal, just all that stuff. And then went to standard American dieting, calorie counting, and I'm old, 44. So in those days, it was the fat-free era. So, you know, we just took out all the fats and we replaced them with Entman's fat-free donuts and fat-free frozen yogurt and diet soda. And that was healthy. That's what was called healthy back then. Um, and that's really like all I knew about food and health and life and, you know, just did my thing. And, um, when I, I got married at 19 and I had my first child at 21. And after that pregnancy, I remember saying to the doctor, like they left something inside my stomach is killing. And I always had like a little bit more of a sensitive stomach, like even as a teenager, but that's when like my stomach aches really started. And I did not know. Um, but after my second child, I did have postpartum thyroiditis. I had it actually Un, uh, overact, uh, underactive, sorry, at that point, totally undiagnosed. My doctor kept saying it's just postpartum depression, having trouble losing baby weight. It's just change your habits, right? Like eat less, whatever. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know. And I guess it went away eventually. After my third, I had it again, undiagnosed. I lost like tons of weight after the baby, having trouble sleeping, feeling very shaky. But I was at a different stage than like I, I had three kids. It was a big break between the other one. And I, I think it kind of worked itself out kind of fast, like faster. And then after my fourth, by that point, by my third already, my digestive challenges were just getting worse. I had finally, it was the first time I'd heard of anything alternative. And I went to a, like a more natural doctor. I, that's my first time getting off gluten, but I just went to like tapioca rolls and like checks, you know, I didn't, you know, I really, nothing really healthy. <laughs> um, and then after my youngest was born, um, I had a full blown, really ugly case of postpartum thyroiditis where I had a goiter in my neck. I couldn't swallow. I was shaking. I couldn't sleep. I lost like 20 pounds in a week. My temperature was completely like I'd go from hot to sweating and cold and like I was all over the place. Anyway, I had my blood work done. At this point, did you feel like, should I be running to the hospital? Like at this point where you, did you realize there's something going on? Like I need medical attention. Oh, oh, I had been saying something's wrong all along and I kept going to doctors and they were like, you know, you have IBS or, you know, you're, you know, you just have a sluggish metabolism or, you know. No, there, I, of course, I mean, I knew something wasn't right, but, and I would, I tried looking for help, but I just kept getting like flat answers. Um, I was told, you know, take, take, um, Metamucil or, you know, medication or take, um, take melatonin or take sleeping pill, whatever, which I didn't think I'd go down that road, road. But, um, anyway, at that point, um, I finally got a proper diagnosis. My OB at the time was like, okay, go get blood work done. My TSH for anyone who knows that's a thyroid stimulating hormone. The number should be between, let's say one and four, really one and 2.5, but that's another story. Um, and my TSH was 0.023. And he's like, oh, you wow. have Graves disease, but he said it doesn't necessarily have to be Graves disease. It could just be a, a part of thyroiditis, which is where your thyroid is very, very overactive right now. It'll either swing back or it won't. And we can put you on medication. Like you have to kind of wait it out. 
So I'm like, okay, I have to kind of wait it out. And there's like, there's really nothing we could do for you. So for like six months, I was hyper not sleeping, very, very thin, um, anxious, and just very not feeling well. And then for a while I felt okay. And then I was like gaining a half a pound a week, super lethargic, literally felt like I could fall asleep on the floor, but also not sleeping. Um, and that was when I was hyper, I'm sorry, hypo. That's when my thyroid would go underactive. And that kept swinging from back and forth every few months. And anytime I would land in hypo, my numbers were like in the high twos. And my doctor was like, oh, we're not going to treat you. That's normal. But it wasn't normal for me, for my body. Anyway, long story short, I went through this for about five years. And the effects of living with postpartum thyroiditis are, they're intense. I never felt balanced. I, and it had a horrible effect on my cycles. Um, I would go, I think the longest I ever went was like 60 something days without it, you know, between periods and feeling like, oh, when is it coming? And that like just edgy, ever, never ending PMS. Um, I would get headaches all the time, whatever. There just were all like the insomnia was probably the worst part. And um, it was just, it was a really, really hard time. And um, I'd gone to many medical doctors and, you know, they they wanted to burn out my thyroid um, doing a treatment to basically destroy my thyroid and then give me medication. I was like 35 or 34 years old. And I was like, I, I just, it didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I started researching and I kept looking online and I kept seeing this concept of like inflammatory foods and how that affects your immune system and um, the autoimmune protocol. And I just kept seeing a lot of, you know, similar concepts. I ended up getting a recommendation to see a functional doctor who I no longer see, but he was like the stepping stone then. And he really encouraged me at the time to go completely paleo. It was extremely overwhelming to me. I remember like, it was like very emotional, you know, the thought of not only like you talked about giving up the cookies and the candy, but it was like bread, potatoes, rice, like rice cakes, like even like, like no grain at all. Like it felt so overwhelming. I'm um, just PS. I don't do that today. I do eat grains and I do eat carbs. But at the time, that was like the first stepping stone. But at the same time, I had removed all refined oils. I was eating a lot more fruits and well, some fruits, but vegetables. And I just think going on so much whole food, plant food and unprocessed food, my body started healing. Um, I didn't even mention at the same, uh, at some point, I think like three years into having this, the thyroiditis, I developed rheumatoid arthritis like medically on blood work, I had RA, which was extremely scary to have such a debilitating disease that could become so God forbid debilitating at such a young age. That really, really scared me. Um, so thank you, Hashem. Hashem. Um, through the process of making the changes that I did, thank God my my rheumatoid factor is, factor is completely normal. I do not have rheumatoid. My thyroid has completely balanced. Lianhara, I've stabilized. I'm super, super, super grateful. And my digestive issues that were always challenging definitely improved dramatically. I always had to be like extremely careful of what I eat. I can't really veer too much um, or I really feel it. But if I practice the protocol and the way of eating that works well for me, I am thriving and super, super, super grateful. Um, so that is my journey. It's so incredible. I mean, you've just been through so much in terms of your own journey. Tell us a little bit about how you started sharing it with others and, you know, developing full and free and 
you know, part two of the story. Part 1.5 of the story, I guess, before we get to point two, is that um, in in the process of this journey and starting to heal and feel so much better, I knew that I had to share this with others. Actually, when I was at my worst point, I was really sick. I remember saying, Tashem, if you help me find a solution that works, I will devote my life to helping others are struggling. And people always ask me, well, how do you know other people are struggling? And you find each other when you spend a lot of time in doctor's offices and, and health food stores, and you, you just find other people. Um, and I knew, like I knew other people were also struggling. And so halfway through my journey, like I said, at 1.5, I was like, I need to go back to school. I want to do something with this. I want to help other people. I want to learn more. So I went to IAN and it was a good start. And I also just like read everything I could. Um, and spoke to different practitioners, both medical and hormone specialists and endocrinologists. And I just really wanted to learn more about the connection with the foods that we eat and the way we treat our bodies and how the way we treat our bodies matter and how different foods give our body different instructions. And so I went through that training. At the same time, I had four kids at all different ages and stages and some picky eaters and some not as picky. And I A, didn't want to be cooking double. Like I didn't want to be making foods for me and foods for them. It was just very time consuming. But I also really, the more I was learning, I'm like, I don't want to give my kids duck sauce chicken. I don't want to be feeding them freezer freezer pizza and, you know, store-bought snacks. And, you know, I didn't want to have that food in my house. I also didn't want to make food an issue, which was another story for another day of how I kind of learned to find that balance. I definitely overshot in one direction and had to pull back, which is, I think, kind of to be expected when you're learning something new. But I really wanted to find a way of making this a lifestyle that could work for me and my family. So I did not go to culinary school, but I am a pretty creative person. Um, I had a Buffy who always let me really make a mess and play in her kitchen. And I always liked to cook, but I just, I was a, you know, I was a very cookbook. Like I, I followed recipes. I never like was so creative on my own, but you know, necessity, you know, kind of brought something out in me that I didn't even know that I had. And um, I really wanted to make food that with ingredients that I knew worked for me that my family would love. And so I started playing in my kitchen. And that's really when something that I never dreamed would happen began, which was becoming a recipe developer. And I started making up all these recipes. And I had a few friends that also had health challenges or their family members did, and I would share the recipes with them. And then once I got certified, I started seeing clients and I started sharing the recipes with them. And people loved my food and their families loved my food. And it just encouraged me to keep creating more and more. And one of the greatest needs was washing. As Jews, we wash for Shabbos meals, for Yantzik meals, for some, where we have, anytime we eat bread, we're supposed to wash and bench. And that mitzvah was very important to me because for a very, for about six months or so, I completely did not wash. And it was hard for me. I missed it. And I started actually learning about the mitzvah of washing and benching and feeling more, even more connected to it that I couldn't do it. And I was like, I need to find a way to wash and bench. And then one of my kids also, long story, needed, needed this, you know, to go gluten-free and um, I ended up developing through after 36 tries, someone give me a gluten-free bread recipe. It was eh. And I played with it and played with it. And I started researching like, what can you add to a gluten-free bread that will make it fluffier, that will make it less gummy? And I just played literally sifting, trying different techniques. And one week we got to the Shabbos table and my kids went, mommy, this is so good. And my son said, my friends would eat this. And I'm like, okay, let's put it to the test. 
and I made rolls and I sent them to school and they wanted me to send more tomorrow. <laughs> and I knew that I had something really great. And I started actually sharing the recipe, um, but nobody wanted to make it. People were like, you're out of your mind. If you think we're, we're mixing seven different dry ingredients, sifting them, blending them, and then adding the wet ingredients. Like, honey, who has time for that? And people ask me, I'm like, oh, I do it. <laughs> um, which is kind of why I still like always struggle with that because I just do it. And I know that that's hard for people, but we'll talk about that soon. Um, and that's how my first product was developed, my original gluten-free Oto mix. Um, it is a, there's no sugars in it. Um, it's made of wholesome ingredients. There's a very easy recipe on the bag. Um, from there, I realized there were people that needed gluten-free, but needed a lower carb option. And I created my low carb gluten-free mix, which is only oat flour with low carb, um, other flours like almond flour, coconut flour, and arrowroot starch. Um, and also just less honey in the recipe. And, and it's, I worked with an endocrinologist to make sure that the carb load, I mean, Laura and I would talk about all the time, like the net carb load, um, was low enough, even for people with diabetes, which is an amazing, amazing product. Um, and from there, the brand just continued and developing into other bread mixes and other baking essentials. Um, my grain-free line actually became super popular over Pesach when the whole world becomes grain-free minus matzah. Um, and it's just a phenomenal, my grain-free flour blend is, is really life-changing for people who want to make the standard, the cookies, the muffins, the cakes, the biscottis, the, you know, the crepes and all those kind of foods that we're used to, but making them with better few ingredients. Um, so that's how my line was developed. And then um, as time went on, you know, I'm building my social media page where I just tried sharing the lifestyle, like sharing what I had learned, the importance of removing the refined and processed or limiting as much as possible the refined and processed ingredients and swapping them with wholesome, healthy, anti-inflammatory ingredients that really support our health and how to actually make that happen in our kitchens. And the great, the number one request is I, we need more recipes. We want them in writing. And so Baruch Hashem, three years ago, I signed a contract with Art Scroll and um, I wrote my, it was the biggest project of my life. It was so much work. I never could have imagined how much I probably wouldn't have done it, but I'm really happy that I did because I know this book has helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The feedback I get is incredible um, that this is a cookbook that is written for a Jewish lifestyle, for Orthodox Jewish people who keep Shabbos, who keep kosher, who, you know, make yontif, whose kids are used to eating potato kugel and chalet and kishka and having, you know, meatballs for supper and pizza. And they want those foods, but they want them made with ingredients that love their body back, which is why the book is titled Food You Love That Loves You Back. And I know that for anybody here who is venturing out and making a change in their lives, whether it's to optimize fertility, to, you know, nurse a healthy baby, just to be a healthy person. Um, the biggest challenge is really making that changes, the changes in the kitchen, but they are so life-changing and they're so worth it. And if I could take the lessons and all the tools that I've learned over the last nine, 10 years of really making these changes in my house and my kitchen and ironing them out and really getting them like spot on. And if I can help other people make that transition easier, it was like all worth all this, the struggle. 
Um, I always say if I would have, if, if 10 years ago when I started this journey and I like saw, looked online and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make these changes. If there was like this kosher cookbook out there and these products, it would have made the journey so much easier. And I'm just so happy that I've been able to create that for others. It's so incredible. And I can say this both as someone who's been a recipient of a lot of it, because I also, when I started my journey, I, I spoke to someone, I said, I spoke to our rabbi, I said, listen, I'm having all these issues with gluten. I'm really finding that it's giving me migraines and causing a lot of inflammation. And we're trying to get pregnant. And he knew we were trying to get pregnant. He said, you know, so okay, take a break. You're not, don't, you don't need to wash. You don't need to eat the challah. And I felt really sad about it. And that's, I don't even know if you remember that. I, I don't know if I've spoken to you about it since it happened. I, I, the reason we even got connected is because I somehow found out about your products. I bought the Domix. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And you posted. I would just, anytime you post, no, but anytime you posted something, I would just DM you, sell this in Israel, sell this in Israel. It was the donuts, I think. It was before, must have been before Purim. I was like, sell this in Israel. And I would just send you those things all the time. I didn't like think you would ever answer me. No, I answer. I answer everybody. I love being connected to everyone. And I, I know that I have, I had so many clients at the time also, or later on when I started working with people who were like, well, what do I do about the challah? Or how do I do schnitzel? Or how do I do this? And I'm like, you could take the time to do all the things, but it's, it's hard. And a lot of people don't want to do that. And even sometimes I was like, I don't know. I don't really know what the answer is for challah. You kind of have to figure it out on your own. And then once I found your products and then later you came out with the book, I was like, here's the answer. Someone made it really easy for us. You can just you know, take 15 of the steps out and just follow. I mean, I make your challah all the time. My daughter, actually, she gets upset when we finish it. She's like, I don't want the regular one. She's two and a half. She's very picky. Uh, she loves it. She's like, I want mommy's challah because I won't make it for my whole family. I'll just make myself little ones. She loves it. Um, and I think what you've done is really made, you've made the habits accessible, mm which I think is just as, if not more important than the education and your book. I always tell people, don't just read the recipes. There's also a ton of information. You go through all the information about the carbs and the protein, and there's so much education in there too. But at the end of the day, you could be so motivated and you could have so much education. But I always say at the end of the day, it's, it's about doing what's easy and it's about doing what's available and accessible. And I think you've created ways to make a healthy kosher lifestyle, so much more accessible and easy. By the way, as you were talking, I was totally listening to you, but I was just like scrolling with my finger to see your first message to me, May 13th, 2021. OMG, this looks amazing. Do you ship to Israel? <laughs> it's going to be so embarrassing. Don't read I that. need to try this. Oh, you're so cute. Yeah. I remember all this. I think I just saw your stuff. I was like, I need, I need this because there's not a lot of people like you who not, I mean, there's people who are, you know, in their own homes making healthy mm-hmm. things, but the, the way that and you didn't even mention Hava Java in your story. Can I ask you about, you, t- you have to tell everybody about Hava Java, especially if they're in the tri-state area. Well, so yeah. So first of all, the mix is just to put it out there. It's true. Like, you know, there are wonderful bakers and people who are making healthy foods from their homes. And I always try to get to know who those people are and promote them because I think it's an amazing service for people who don't even want to make the time, the five minutes that it takes to make this mix. Um, And also, I mean, there are some products available, like made products in the supermarket. When I created this mix, there was absolutely nothing that did not have sugar and canola oil, like zero, zero, zero. 
There are maybe like one or 2% now of the quote unquote healthy gluten-free products on the market. I'm sure you talk about this a lot, Lauren, but gluten-free does not mean healthy. And just because something even says that it's healthy on the label, healthy and gluten-free, all natural, made with whole, blah, 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 read the ingredients. The ingredients are the only thing they cannot lie about. It's the only thing, even not the nutrition facts really aren't a hundred percent reliable. Ingredient lists. I mean, I guess I guess there's a way to buck any system, but you know, they do have to say what kind of oil they use and they do have to say what kind of sugars they're using. So if they're using high fructose corn syrup, they have to say high fructose corn syrup. They can't just say sweetener of choice. Like they have to indicate it. So um, really, really look at your ingredients. That's just like a really big takeaway here. Um, so my, what I, I didn't want to, I had the option of selling ready-made rolls in the freezer section. The reason I decided to do a mixes instead and flour, I could, I could sell cookies and brownies and like all these prepackaged things. First of all, in order to, they, they do need some level of preservatives then. And when you make it at home and you're just so much, you, you know, you're, you're not keeping it for that long. And also the freezing, the, the, the making it, the freezing it to then sit on a truck to defrost and then refreeze. And then even like as many times that it's a defrost and refreeze to get to the store, to your house and then defrost it again. It's just, it, it really like, it doesn't taste good anymore. The texture is not good anymore. So I didn't want to take a pot and I actually tested it. I made my rolls. I, I made them, I froze them, I frosted them, I froze them, I frosted them. I, fro I did it like four times and I'm like, they're ugh. like, they're just, they're waterlogged. They're not as good. And I was like, I'm not degrading such an amazing product to make it and sell them in the stores. But I probably, you know, could have sold a lot and it could have been a big moneymaker, but I was like, they're not going to be good. And that's why I decided I wanted to make it in mixes so that people can make it at home and really get the freshest, best option. And um, but, it, and, and I know it makes it harder because you still have to take those extra steps. And I let, you know, you said before, like I make it easy. I, I don't want to say it's easy. It's easier. It's more doable. Um, but it, there is work. There is work involved. Prep is prep. And we can definitely try. And I know like day to day, like I do those little quick and easies as much as I can, but there, there is a commitment involved. Um, but wait, you asked me a different question and I veered off a little bit with the Tell us about Hava Java. So um, my mixes are available in over a hundred stores throughout the U.S. It's on Amazon and on my website. And with Hashem's help, we are, I've tried so many avenues to get it into Israel. Lauren, I want to do it so badly, but it's not, there's a lot of like, it would be super, super, super expensive. I actually want to try to see if I, I'm sure there's a million bureaucratic things like everything else. Here. I really want to try to make it in Israel. That's like what I'm trying to figure out now. Because I think that would be the most cost-effective way to do it. So we're going to see, and I, but I want to very badly because I know a lot of people there want it. Um, but what I did in Muncie is um, also just like a really amazing opportunity. Um, I approached Hava Java. I think it's been four four years ago, three or four four years ago, and I told them that I that people want a restaurant where they can go and really get clean food, not just a salad that's going to for sure have canola oil or not just like a piece of grilled chicken or fish. They want to know that they're getting good side dishes and that their foods are made with good oils. And if something is sweetened, it's sweetened with honey or coconut sugar and not either, you know, if it's dietetic, then it has, you know, NutraSweet or xylitol or whatever, like really clean, healthy foods. And it was amazing. They really, they were like, you know what? They believed in it and they said, let's try it. 
and we 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 joined together and we partnered and they we I developed we started with I think maybe 15 things on the menu that we called Rory recommended which means which meant that they were wholesome ingredients mostly plant-based with healthy oils and you know really my cleaning my clean recipes and the response was wild absolutely wild people loved it and they saw like Two people would go out. There was almost never a table that didn't, one person wasn't getting a Rory recommended. People wanted more and more. And it was just so amazing for me to see that people wanted it. They they really do want to eat healthy. We just have to make it more accessible. And that's what Hava Java has done at this point. We're constantly revising the menu. We're constantly adding new things. We're actually now revamping. We're taking off some of the things from four years ago and putting on new things. We're going to be doing um, green bowls soon. We're going to be adding. I mean, it's just super exciting. I've been like working on like a like 10 new, 10, 15 wow. new, new items that are coming. And this past year I opened, we opened Hava Java and I, the most incredible salad bar. I think that the kosher world has ever seen, um, Israel included, which is a big statement. Um, it's sort of like going to Whole Foods or Wegmans and you like drool and salivate at these like beautiful, healthy dishes and they're kosher and they're all parav and they're all there and you could just scoop it out and eat it. Um, every single dish is olive oil or avocado oil. There's not a speck of sugar in anything. Everything is like all the vegetables are, you know, either roasted or they're just, or they're baked or fresh. And we've got salmon of all different kinds. We use wild salmon. Um, it's amazing. amazing. It's really amazing. We make her. I mean, I see also, cause you post a lot of times on social media, you'll post like, oh, we're picking up the salads for the kids today. Or like, this is the salad order. And you'll just show so many combinations. And I think it's true. There's just nothing like that in the kosher world. And you've found a way that now people who live in the area, they could just stop there, pick it up. They don't have to do any cooking yeah. and you've made it really easy for them. They even have online order now. Yeah. And they, they have the grab and go section and they have like tons on their menu. I mean, with my Ike Florentine and my baked ziti and this, um, uh, the quinoa burger, they have my bagels there. You can get bagels and you can go and get a gluten-free bagel with eggs and a sa- side salad and just feel like everybody else, but you're just getting a gluten-free bagel. They have my gluten-free pizza crust and you can get any of their pizzas on gluten-free pizza crust. We even have a par of pizza. We have like, um, what is it called? A, uh, falafel like a falafel pizza with like Israeli salad and Sina on a gluten-free pizza. Yeah. We just have really, we have, we have grain-free pancakes. We have sourdough toast. We have, we just, thank God we have so many phenomenal. We have my healthier cheesecake. We've got my muffins. We've got brownies. We've got my ice dreams. Those, those like um, they call it Super Bowls. I call them ice dreams like on my, in my cookbook. It's, we just have so many fun, healthy recipes that make going out and having that fun experience of just getting something decadent and delicious and healthy out. Like, and the coolest thing about Habit Java is there are, let's say there are, I'm not going to name because I don't know if they want me to, but there are some other restaurants that are like vegan restaurants or other like healthier, like type of restaurants, but they're just a healthy restaurant. So moms might want to go together or might maybe you have like one or two husbands or a couple husbands out there that'll be okay I'll go with you to that place and get a juice and a salad like okay fine what's so cool about have a java is you can go with your parents and your in-laws and your and your friend or your kids friends and everybody has something that they love and everyone and, and that's what I loved about it is because like 
if I would go and this one wants a hobo and that one wants a pizza and like, all right, so I'd have to like make do with like find the one clean thing on the menu and just like deal with it. And here it's like so many options. So it's amazing. People love it. I love that because I know just working with my clients that it really is a big struggle for people of feeling deprived. Like I want to honor my health goals and I also don't want to be socially isolated. And food is so much more than just a form of nutrition. It really is about connection and fun and enjoyment. And I think you've really been able to build a place that delivers all of that. It's very special. And the fact that it's kosher, because I do think these places exist outside of the kosher world too, but I'll see them either, you know, in passing, I'll see them in Tel Aviv. I'll see them in New York. I'll see things on Instagram. I'm like, I wish, I wish I could go. And then that's the one place where I'm like, it, it really checks all the boxes. It's amazing. And and the recipes enable people to create that experience in their homes. So I think people have that same feeling of, I don't want to be deprived and I don't want to feel isolated when it comes to Yantif, when it comes to Shabbos, when it comes to barbecues and you shouldn't, and you don't have to. That was my goal. My goal was to try to teach people how to take any experience that they're used to having around food and just change it and adjust it, swap out some ingredients to transform traditional favorites with ingredients that love your body back. And really that's, that's been the mission. And I'm not stopping like one cookbook. I'm, I'm working on number two. Like I want to keep, I just want to keep bringing people more options. And also the longer I'm in this, the more that I see that the way of healthy eating that I define as healthy, that you define as healthy works for a lot of people, but there are a lot of people out there that have allergies or have um, other issues that require even more fine tuning, um, vegan and plant-based vegetarian. Like there's a huge community there that I definitely think I, some of my recipes address their needs, but I really want to branch out. I've gotten countless. I mean, I would say one of the number one requests I get almost daily is, do you have a way to make this egg-free? I think so many people have egg allergies or are going more vegan or just have issues with eggs. And um, so for years already, it's been, is there a way to make your schnitzel without eggs? And then I also have people who are allergic to nuts and not all my products, but a lot of my products are nut-based because nuts were kind of the grain that I always, the, well, not the grain, but the flour alternative that I would go to to kind of mimic what flour does, whether that was with nut butter or nut flours. And I've got, I mean, my gluten-free original mix is totally nut and gluten-free, but most of the other products do have some nuts. So I've gotten a lot of requests for that too. More products, more recipes that are, let's say, oat-based or to create a gluten-free flour option that doesn't have nuts or seeds. So we're working on all of that because really my goal is to help everyone find foods that work for them so that they can feel like they have what they need. They don't feel deprived. I love it. It's amazing. And we're all so excited for all the things coming. Cause I also just don't even know how you have time to do all this stuff. You are like constantly coming out with things. It's amazing. I want to shift gears a little bit. You mentioned how you especially love, and we've spoken about this, how you love working with women who are in that pregnancy and postpartum phase, because it's obviously a very special time in life. I was thinking, as you told your story, you didn't even mention this, but in addition to all the health things going on, you had a bunch of little kids. And I feel like I feel pretty good. I would say overall with my health, I'm at a place I feel really good. I have a ton of energy and I have two little kids and it's really hard. It's really, really hard just to parent 
babies and toddlers. And I heard it doesn't even get easier when they get bigger. Um, but I, I'm just thinking, cause you mentioned, you know, I would have done things so differently had I known more at that stage. So can you tell us like, what are some of the things that either you would have done differently or that you recommend and see helping women in this stage of life? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm like grateful that you're asking me that question because I just want to like scream it on the rooftop. So anyone who will listen, you know, I, it had a huge impact on my family, huge on my husband and on my children. It's like, we all think of it as an era that we survived barely like that. It was, it was really like, it was like before mommy was sick. And then after mommy was sick, it was like, literally like, wow, I couldn't. And thank God, like, I'm super grateful. I mean, there are people who God forbid go through much, much harder health challenges. And I really like, thank you, Hashem, that this was what I had to go through. But, you know, it was really, really hard when you're not sleeping and your energy's really low. And I like, my kids are coming from school, like making dinner was such a burden, like homework. Are you kidding me? So like, I just couldn't be there for them in the ways that they need. You know how, like my son, Baruch Hashem, just got married this year and it was emotional. It was really emotional. And I was thinking back and that kufa of time, that period of time where I wasn't feeling well those years, that's, those are the times I have the most regrets. I didn't make it to enough baseball games. I wasn't there to, like, I just wasn't there in the way that I have been after it's so glaring the difference of who I was in every relationship in my life. And so people ask me all the time, they're like, you must have really had a lot of pain to be willing to do what you do. And I was in pain and I was uncomfortable and I was struggling, but I think what motivates me every single day to keep doing the prep and to keep doing the work and to be disciplined is because I want so badly to live my life to the fullest. I so badly want to be the best version of me that I can be most of the time. And what I've seen is that in doing the things that I'm going to enumerate in a second, I get to be a version of me that I really love. And when I don't do those things, I, I become a version of myself that I really have to struggle through. And that's just a lot harder for me to have to face day in and day out. Nothing horrible, but it's a low energy, much more negative, much more sketchy. You know, when you don't feel good, it's hard to be nice. And it's hard. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a pretty nice person, but like I'm moodier and I'm just blah. And like when I feel good, I'm just really, I, it's like, it's a pleasure. No, I, I so appreciate how you articulated that because we've also spoken about this, how I think a lot of people struggle to find a way to share the message about what health is truly about. And I think for so many people, they associate it with dieting and losing weight. And then for other people, it's like this trend that it's cool to eat salads or it's, you know, to show to other people to kind of prove this point of being healthy for the sake of being healthy. And what you're saying is like, you know, you enjoy the food, and but it's a means to an end. And the end is so much bigger than that. It's about living your fullest life, feeling good so you could show up for your family. And I think when I, I've seen it when I work with people who have a much greater goal like that. It's about being the best version of themselves, showing up, you know, doing it for fertility reasons to get pregnant so they could have babies because they feel like that's who they're meant to be. They're meant to be moms and they're trying to help their body get there. It's such a different energy that you bring to all of this rather than, oh, I'm trying to stick to some diet. And I just, I love the, I really appreciate the way you articulated that because I think a lot of people struggle to 
really grasp what it's about. And that's, I think that's what it's about for me also. So I just appreciate how you expressed it so eloquently. No, thank you. And, you know, I love what you just said. And I actually wrote it down. Um, when you said what motivates so many women to make these change is fertility. I see that all the time. Like, I mean, I'm currently not taking new clients, but people ask me all the time. And like so many of the ones that step up to the plate are people that have a fertility struggle in some way. I said they're born to Lauren <laughs> um, because she's amazing. But um, it's Thank not you. about just becoming a mother and becoming pregnant and giving birth. It is being the mother that you want to be. And for me, making these changes and sticking to them showed me that I can be not just the mother to my children, the mother to myself. The, like when you say word, the word mother, like when I was at my son's wedding, so, um, hair, um, Kanina, um, hair by pen did my wig, like she did our hair and we were talking and I said something like, I am mother. And she was like, well, you know, that, that term is sort of like boss lady, like mother in the world. Now it's like a slang word. It kind of means like the bomb, like you are mother. And I was like, oh, I like that. I am mother. And you know what? When I eat well and I feel well, and I'm doing the right things for myself, not just about being the mother to my kids. I feel I, like I'm good. I got this. I'm on my game with humility, with, with constantly working on myself. It's not like, oh, you know, but more of a, like, it's a confidence. It's a pep in my step. It's a happiness that I can't tap into when I'm not taking care of my body. The way that I've learned really is what my body wants. So there's a, a term that I love that's if you listen to the, if you listen to your body's whispers, you won't have to hear it scream. And I think when you say, what is it that I would tell mothers today? It's, you got to listen to the whispers. You've got to listen to the whispers so you don't have to get to the point where your body is screaming. My body was screaming by the time I had Adina because I completely was numb and mute. I was on mute to what my body needed. I had no idea. I was staying up till 11 at one, like between 11 and one every night. My workouts were, I guess I just didn't know any better, but I was working out at a gym where there was a lot of like, you know, intensity. There was TRX classes and spin classes and people were doubling classes. And like, I don't even know how, I, I, I really believe that the way I exercised was part of the burnout that my body went through. I, I wasn't doing these things because I was like, going against. I just didn't know. I didn't know about proper nutrition. I didn't know what my body needed. I didn't know how to take care of myself. And I really burned my body out. I didn't know how to prioritize self-care. I did a lot of martyrdom, martyrdom. It says it in the word, it's dumb. But you know, I've lived a lot of the way I see a lot of young people. I didn't do anything like, I wasn't doing anything so crazy. I was doing what a lot of us are schooled to believe is normal. And my, for a lot of us, it, it doesn't work and it really didn't work for me. And I guess, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to say it at the time, but I was lucky that my body showed me early on, like, honey, this is not working. Something you need to change something that you, you know, if you keep doing what you always do, you'll always get what you always got. And I, you know, my body forced me, my body put me in a position where I was like, I can't keep, I need to do something different. And I think for women who are struggling with fertility and not getting pregnant, that's like, hey, wait a minute, something, this isn't working. I want this to work. 
and it's not. So, you know, and they'll maybe try a few different things and it finally is, okay, I have to change something for this situation to change. But if there are any other women listening out there who don't struggle with fertility, you get pregnant, you get pregnant, you're fine. It doesn't, I got pregnant. I did not have a hard time getting pregnant. I when I really like, thank God, I did not have struggles with that. But it doesn't mean that the way I was treating my body wasn't hurting me in other ways that showed up later. So I guess yeah. that the really the it's it's taking the time to edu- get educated on what real self-care looks like, not eating dieting wise to lose weight or to get a physical um, change, but to really like what is going to nur- nurture my body. You know, I tell this to people all the time. No one would ever, no healthy, normal woman would say to her six-year-old kid, oh, I'm sorry, honey, you're hungry. You want a snack? Well, no, I'm not going to give you a snack because you need to lose five pounds. You just, no one, we don't, or we say, oh, my kid is, they want breakfast. No, we don't have time for breakfast. We're we're going. We don't do that. That Like we'd be put away. You know what I mean? Healthy, normal mothers, you feed your children, you make time for breakfast. Their kid is hungry. Okay. You'll obviously offer them an orange. But if they want, you know, as opposed to a bag of chips, but like, we don't, we don't tell a hungry child, you're hungry, sorry, you can't eat. So we need to sort of take a step back and say, wait a minute, is the way I'm treating myself around food, the way I would treat my child? And if it's not, then question it and say, if I really was looking out to treat my child the best, best, best way that I could, what would that look like? Let me research that and find out. And now let me treat myself that way. Would you ever tell your child, I'm sorry, just stay up all night. No, watch another show of Netflix. It's fine. No, you know your kid has to go to sleep at a normal time. Create a way to get yourself prioritized sleep, prioritize time alone, prioritize time in nature. Put yourself on the map. And is it easy? Absolutely not. It's also not easy to food prep. It's it's none of it's easy, but it's also really, really, really hard when your body break fall hurts or falls apart where you can't be mother where you can't be that person you want to be. So I always say, pick your heart. You know, making those changes is hard and there is a sacrifice involved. I became a work-at-home mom, you know, and yes, I bar Hashem accomplished a lot. I don't do this all on my own. I delegate. I have people who help me. I have boundaries around my work. Trust me, Lauren, if you think I've done a lot, my bucket list is so long and there's things that I'm constantly saying, not now. And the, the, my support team, my close friends, and if they're listening, they're like, uh-huh, they're constantly, you know, guys, okay, help me evaluate. Like, these are the things I want to do. This is the time I have. Like, walk me through this. And every time you say no to one thing, you're saying yes to something else. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have a very sensitive, loud body because it's forced me to really look at these things and make sacrifices and make changes. And I, I know for a lot of people, their bodies are not as loud, but when they have a fertility issue or God forbid later on something creeps up, it forces them to stop and listen. So the sooner we start listening, the better. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I think especially because there are so many people who do exactly what you said. They're they're really giving, caring moms and they want to be those giving, caring moms and they treat themselves with a totally different standard than they would treat their kids. And I actually found for myself, that was one thing that actually really helped me when I had started my whole journey. I was really, I got into a really good rhythm with food 
And then I had also been learning about, you know, endocrine disrupting chemicals and toxins. And that was something that I don't know why I just had such a block. I like put earmuffs on. I, I didn't want to hear anything about it. I was like, that's for crazy people. I'm not doing that. And then in my ninth month, I started being like, okay, I need to prepare for this baby. I have to get laundry. I would never put that nasty laundry detergent with all the chemicals on my baby's clothes. And then I started thinking, well, you know, she's going to be touching my pillows and my bed sheets. So maybe at least like some of my bed laundry I'll do with the the natural detergent. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to be breastfeeding, my own clothing are going to be touching the baby. And then I was like, why am I willing? And I I won't even tell you what I did. I ordered this crazy fancy detergent. You think it's expensive to import the flour mixes. I imported this massive thing of laundry detergent. I won't even say how much I paid for it because I was like, the baby has to have the best. And for me, I was like still using the nasty stuff. And then I was like, why am I willing to do it for my kid, but not me? And I'm not saying that everyone has to, you know, make this specific swap. It's not about that. But I realized I was just holding this, the unborn child. This was before I had even met Eden, before I even went through labor, but I was already practicing that martyrdom that I think so many women fall into. And so I love how you're bringing that into it, like tap into that nurturing quality that so many of us already have and actually just start applying it to yourself. Well, I want to share something on that. It's so true. And and yes, a hundred percent. And just PS that the environmental toxins, I think is the hardest one for all of us. It was the scariest one for me. I kept earmuffs on for a very long time too. And I'm not where I want to be in that part of my journey. I've made a lot of progress. I actually find that one. It is, it's very hard. There's a big resistance to that there. And I've spoken to so many people about it. And I think it's tapped into what I'm going to say next. And it's part of our culture. I think eating healthy is there's always been a little bit of a door open in our, from society about eating healthy. But when it comes to like this, it's true. Like that's for who's like, like you said, like that's for crazy people. Like it's so unaccepted in our culture, but what is accepted in our culture is I'm too, t- I'll sleep when I die. I, it's cool to be tired. It's like, oh my God, I am so busy. Like the busier you are, the the better you are. Like we have these, these um, mindsets have been so tapped into the way we subconsciously think. I have a friend who's a social worker and she came to my house after Adina was born and I will never forget. Well, first of all, she was like, oh my gosh, it's another one. Copy paste. If anyone finds that baby in the grocery store, they'll say, oh, I know where you live. You know, it was just cute. Like I remember that conversation that day. And she said to me, Lori, we are so mean to each other. Women are so, from women, we are just, we're mean to each other. We have to start nurturing each other more. And she said, I think so much of why we are so hard on ourselves is because there's a cultural attitude of being hard on each other. Oh, you had a baby six weeks back to work. Oh, I did. My friend did. My sister, this one did. She was back at work. Like you're not back in your regular clothes two months after you had a baby. Like, and you're not, what you, you have to be back at work and nursing and making dinner and looking great and, 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 and we have this cultural pressure that we put on women. And that's, I think that we have to start questioning that and having a different attitude toward each other so that we can start having that toward ourselves. When I talk to women about being gentle with themselves, you don't understand. I've had this conversation with clients, with women, with groups falling 
bawling, women crying, like heaving because no, we are so hard on ourselves and we're so hard on each other. And I know that I have to do a lot of work in on myself and questioning and challenging, like who told me lies? Who told me lies? Do I want to believe that anymore? How do I, what type of role model do I want to be to my daughters? Do I want them to be proud when they take a step back and say, wait, I need to take care of myself right now. So I'm not going to take on that extra thing. Or this is what I need. No, I want them to do that, but I have to role model it. Why can't I? Why is it so uncomfortable for me? Where did I learn that? And is it true? Is that what the Torah says? And I think that's a really, really big part of it. I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's brought up a lot of thoughts for me, actually, because I feel like I had a very different experience with my second pregnancy. I'll share more about it in depth at some point. But when I had my first, the first birth for my daughter, it was at the height of the pandemic. So I was like, in some ways, there were a lot of really nice things about it other than all the restrictions. But I went, I moved into my in-laws apartment. I was there for like three or four weeks because otherwise no one would be able to see the baby. I don't think I was out of pajamas and, and I was just in my own cocoon. I, I didn't even see anybody. And then with my son, thank God the pandemic was over, but I had, we had a Shabbos bris six days later. And I just remember thinking I have nothing to wear. And like, I still looked very pregnant as you said. <laughs> and I was like, why, why? Right. But because, because I had just grown a human in me, of, of course. course, but I was like, why was the bump so cute last week? And now I just feel like I look terrible in all my clothes. I wanted to accentuate it last week. And now like, I don't understand why is it like this? And I had a lot of whatever. I went through my own whole journey, which I think a lot of people do postpartum of like, just what's going on with my body. There's so many changes so quickly within these years of getting pregnant, going through birth, having kids, birth itself can be really traumatic for people. But I, I don't think I was someone who struggled a lot with like negative self-talk and lack of confidence and having, having a baby brought up a lot of things that I didn't even think were there in my brain. They came out really in a way that I was not expecting. And there are ways that I, I don't think I would at least ever talk to my friends that way. I would never say, why do you still look like that? Six days later, I would say the opposite, but I found myself having a lot of not such nice thoughts about the way I was looking and not showing up enough. Like, okay, it was a week later. Now it's my turn to do baths again. Like my husband had taken over towards the end of my pregnancy. I should be back. And I, a week postpartum, I gave my daughter a bath. I was like, that was not a good idea. I hurt. I don't know what part of my body I hurt, but I really hurt it. And I know it was like out of goodness. You know, I wanted, I love being present for bath time. I happen to like bath time. That's my thing as a mom. But I, I just, it's so, there's so much pressure. And I think it's true. There's, it's so deeply embedded in our culture in ways that it's almost like a fish doesn't know it's in water. I think there are a lot of things like that that have become normal in our cultures that we don't even realize are really affecting our health. And it it goes beyond food and making the healthy laundry detergent swaps. It's such a greater mindset of like, how am I really nurturing and taking care of myself? And how are we doing it on a, a communal level? Because I think that's what you're talking about. Also having, you know, more a, a kinder relationship to other women and being less judgmental. Like we need to really change it on more of a societal level too. Totally. I guess I just want to share like a tip. I'm just like in thinking about how I changed my thought process because, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking when I make 
my juice in the morning or when I prep my salad the night before. And I spend a lot of time prepping for Shabbos so that I can have extras till Monday or whatever it is. My mindset around those actions are not one of deprivation. It's really one. It's it's all sourced in, I'm gifting this to you. I'm doing this for you. So the whole energy around it is so different. And I think something that I've learned and I've shared this, it's all just, it's always come out in coaching. When I talk to another woman and I'm working with somebody and they're hard, they're being hard on themselves, or I could see there's a lot of resistance. I say Shefala, Shefala. And I'll talk to her and say Shefala, find the Shefala within yourself and Shefala yourself. And I'll, I really learned it's like that Mamala, the Shefala, like become that yummy bubby. I don't know, whoever you had in your life, it was your mother, your bubby, your aunt, your somebody that you felt was just yummy, that loved you up, that just what, like how, or how you are with your own child, whatever resonates to you, be that for yourself and let that relationship be the one to motivate your choices around sleep, around movement, around food prep, around what you want to eat, like if you're shafala in yourself, you're not going to go, oh, shafala, let's stay up till one to do more laundry. You just, that voice doesn't say that. Or shafala, let's do a double class because you just look so fat today. No, shafala, that voice that it doesn't go, it doesn't say those things. So that's always how you know, like, is this coming from love or is this coming from like, self-mutilation or force or this like punitive place? Is it coming from, or is it coming from a loving place? Like identify the voice, the tone and ask it, would that voice call me Shefala? And if no, it's not a self-loving place. I agree a hundred percent with what you just said. I always say it's the intention behind the behavior really determines whether something's healthy or not. And you could exercise is such a good example because two people could take the same exact class. And I think it for someone who comes in and they're like, you know, I, I know for myself, let's say, I just feel so much better. My energy is better. When I take that time to exercise, move my body, I feel, I always say, I feel like I upgraded from coach to first class in my body. Like I have more room. It's just a little bit, just a little bit more comfortable in there. And that's the energy that I go into it with. And if someone else comes in with that, more critical energy of, oh, I need to burn off everything I ate last weekend. I was so bad. I look at me. I don't look good in these leggings, whatever the things are. I actually think even if we do literally the same exact exercises, it has a physical different effect on the body. And it's not like I have a study to prove this. It does sound maybe a little bit about the woo-woo, the energy, but I think the stress that you're bringing into all those activities, even if it's a quote unquote healthy thing like exercise, even if it's yoga or something that shouldn't be there should be no question, is it healthy or not? I do. I think the energy that you bring to it ultimately is going to determine, is it actually something that's healthy for you? No, and, and I think specifically with exercise, I just just putting it out there as somebody who overdid exercise, um, I don't I don't hear this being spoken about much. And I think maybe just because not so many people had this experience, but I did. Like I even, I follow you, I love your page. And about, I don't know, maybe a week ago, at some point recently you posted like you had time and you did some shorter workout and like you challenged yourself. And I remember thinking, wow, that's great that that works for her, like that you can up it. For me, I always have to be careful with that. That's always something I have to be like, I'm 
Like, am I, because for me, oh, because I'm so burnt out my adrenals through exercise, my body literally, like if I overdo it, it's almost like it panics. And it's like, she's doing it, you know? So I have to be, I learned the hard way that I have to keep my exercises within a certain range of intensity. So there is always that it's, it's so personal. Like it really is. It's really knowing yourself, like what's the intention here? Or is this truly good for me? And, and, but again, I still think it's like that shapeful mamala, whatever wording works for you or sweetheart or whatever, whatever that endearing voice is always check in with that. And then, you know, if it's coming from a place of love. That's such a good tip. I, Cause I think the mindset is really important. And honestly, that is harder for people to change than what they're eating for breakfast. The way that you talk to yourself is such a deep habit that probably formed as young as two years old when you started talking. And that's probably really hard for people to, to shift. And then, and then just also the afterwards, like my husband always says, like, then there's the aharon, like the, like after you do something, if you make a mistake or you choose to do something and you're like, ah, bring her back. Like, oh, that was so dumb. Or, oh, I stayed up too late and I'm going to, now I'm going to pay for it. It's like, okay. You know, I just think that general idea of we have to be nicer to ourselves is a really big, really big piece of all of this. Yeah, I, I really agree. I'm so glad you brought this up. And just because I know also for my audience, they really love having tactical, practical tips. Um, are there any specific things that you have seen? Cause you've worked with a lot of people in a lot of different life situations. Let's say for someone who's like, okay, I want to make these healthier choices. I'm overwhelmed. I don't even know where to get started. Is there something that you recommend people doing? Like start with breakfast or start with a walk or a couple of, you know, places that people can start out with if they're looking to make healthier choices, but feel overwhelmed. Okay, great. I love that. So I really typically recommend people start with sleep. Because I really think that when you don't sleep, you're, you can't think and you can't make good choices. Your hormones are off. Your hunger cues are off. Your leptin levels are low. So you're craving, you're just, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're working in a different system. So you're fighting so much more. So I really recommend if some people are just like, Rory, I cannot start with sleep. I need to start with something more tangible. So I'll go there in a minute. But I, I personally think sleep is extremely important. And then how you prioritize sleep is A, going backwards and really like looking at your life and looking at your day and your schedule and like what kind of have to give so that you can get to bed on time. It's a lot to prioritize sleep. Um, turning off electronics an hour before bed is so important for prioritizing sleep. So I, I know that it's so, it's not ignored, but it's usually when you work with any health coach, again, I don't know how you work with it, Lauren, but like, it's usually, okay, let's do the food and then, and then, and then like, and then we'll talk about like the importance of like stress management and movement and sleep. And it's like all those other things kind of get like bunched together as like the, by the ways. So I personally coached the other way around where I'm like, okay, guys, let's look at the big picture. Who are we? How are we functioning? Yeah, we're going to get to food. I know we all want to get there, but like, let's look at the environment that we're bringing the food into first. That's just my personal opinion. When it comes to the food itself, though, I think a great place to start is taking out, swapping out the easy swaps, canola oil, avocado, or olive oil, white sugar, you know, coconut sugar, raw honey, um, in bringing in a lot more fruit, crowding in lots of fruits and vegetables. So you still want to have maybe your schnitzel and your French fries at dinner, but I'm just giving an example, have a salad and broccoli with it. 
like first focus on crowding in the good things and kind of, you know, the things that just will be replaced by the good, great. And the things that will just be on the side of the good, I think that's a really great place to start. And then breakfast truly, truly is the most important meal of the day because it either, I always say breakfast is either going to buckle you onto the roller coaster or not. So that's it. So, you know, how you start your day, it's just a whole different experience. If you're starting with cereal or toast and butter with orange juice, or, you know, you're, you're, that's it. You're on the roller coaster and you will be on the roller coaster basically the entire day. I mean, there are ways to kind of like balance you off a little bit once you're on there, but it's just so much harder. So, um, yeah, your, your day, the day goes morning is a sacred, sacred time. And, um, in many ways, you know, our bodies detox well in the morning spiritually, right. You know, the difference if you start your, like, if you start your morning with davening versus getting a million things done and then davening at 11 o'clock, like how does that it's day and night. And I think that's what breakfast does. So those are my tips. <laughs> Okay. That's so great. And I, I love what you said about crowding in and starting with adding in. Cause I think a lot of people also think, okay, if I'm going to make these changes for health, it means saying goodbye to all these foods that I love. And it, it also really doesn't have to be that. I have a lot of clients who eat tons of different foods in moderation and they've, they've really met their goals. They feel great. Like, you know, everyone just has a different way that works for them, which we've also spoken a lot about. Um, but I think those are really great places to start. It's interesting what you said about sleep, because I found I really was struggling with insomnia. Like I was just wired. I think my whole cortisol rhythm was off. And I found for me that, that I wasn't focusing on sleep whatsoever, but once I made the changes with food, because my blood sugar had gotten balanced out, all of a sudden sleep clicked very easily. So, cause I agree with you. Sleep is so, so important. And it does get kind of pushed to the side as like, I think everybody knows it. We all know sleep is important, but knowing it and really prioritizing it are different. And I guess I've just, I've seen it with so many clients when they finally put sleep in place and they're like, they're, they're going backwards and they know I just want to work on the food. I just want to work on the food. Like I'll deal with with the exercise and the sleep like later. And they just can't get it together. And then I've, I've seen this a few times where they're just like, okay, fine. Let's like wait on the food. Let me just try to prioritize sleep and get like a little more organization in my day and figure out how to get my laundry done at a different time. And, you know, all, there's a lot that has to happen and move and change to, to make, when I say make sleep a priority, I don't mean that you might have insomnia and you might not actually sleep, but that you put your body in bed at a reasonable time. Sometimes people can't improve their sleep until they in, improve their food for sure. But I, what I've seen over and over again is when people work on sleep, all of a sudden they have more energy. They're not as hungry. They're not having as many cravings. They have more, their brain, their whole mindset around food prep just naturally changes. They're like, they want to do it now. They want to start exercising like a sleep deprived, sugar loaded, non-moving person is very hard to motivate. Yeah, that's so true. I was just, we, we just did some sleep training over here. And in the course that I was watching, she says, just remember, you know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. This is how they torture people when they capture like foreign criminals. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing this because it's literally torture. And I think, right. It's, it's hard. I think also when you fall into a rhythm of it, let's say, especially postpartum, you have a baby waking up in the night, you don't have I mean, you still can get your body into bed at a certain point, but there's only so much you can control. And I also really found that I had slipped into bad habits beyond like now the baby's been asleep since 
6 PM. Okay. Now what's my excuse? And it's getting back into those habits. So I, I definitely appreciate you highlighting just how important they are. Um, okay. Rory, this was so incredible. I so appreciate your time. And can you tell everybody just where they can keep up with all the amazing things you have going on, where they can buy the book, the products, just give us all the information. Sure. So my business is called Full and Free. Um, I kind of named it that because I want people to feel full and live life to the fullest while being free of the ingredients that hold them back and don't let them feel their best. That's kind of the name. Um, so my website is fullandfree.com. Um, on my website, you have links to buy all of my products, demos on how to use all the products. Um, you can buy the the book also on the website and there's a lot more information there, other recipes. Um, I'm also on Amazon and I'm in over a hundred stores, kosher stores in the tri-state area. And even in a couple stores, like in Florida, you know, Cleveland, all those. Um, and again, hopefully trying to find a way to get, even if it's just online access uh, to get out of the country, that'd be amazing. Um, and uh, my cookbook also is available in all kosher Jewish bookstore, uh, kosher and Jewish bookstores and on Art Scrolls website as well. And you can follow me on Instagram at full and free. Amazing. Rory, thank you so much for being here. Ah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to the About Health and Hormones podcast. If you loved today's episode, I would love to know. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so I can make this podcast even better for you all. I would love to connect with you. Follow me on Instagram at Lauren Allen Nutrition or head to my website, www.laurenallennutrition.com to learn about my coaching programs and stay up to date on all of my latest workshops and courses. I am so glad you are here today and I wish you all health and happiness.